The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Pete Sweeney here with my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. It is Thursday, September 17th. We're in the thick of week two. First division game this weekend. John, how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling uh, pretty well, actually. I'm uh, normally worried about these games, and of course, I'll always be worried about these games, but I'm feeling pretty well. The Chiefs right now, as we record this podcast on Thursday, are eight and a half point favorites in this game. Las Vegas, someone call me. Have one of these sleazy bookmakers call me. What is going on? I, I think that is just so low. And, and maybe I, I'm jinxing something here. I hope I'm not for the sake of Chiefs fans, but I just do not get that point spread. We'll talk about that point spread as this podcast goes along. We have our first injury report of the week. It is Patrick Mahomes' 25th birthday. I did not misspeak there. He's only 25. That is incredible. Uh, John, you had an opportunity to talk to Pro Football Hall of Famer Chiefs great Willie Lanier yesterday. I want to talk about that. Takeaways from the press conference early this week, and then our five questions heading into week two of this NFL season as the Chiefs try to get to 2-0. and And of course, the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. A lot to get to, so let's start it. Let's go to the injury report, Chiefs and Chargers. The first thing we talk about every week here on the Thursday show will be the injury report. So far, Alex Okafor, Colin Saunders, and Charvarius Ward were the only Chiefs to miss practice on Wednesday. Saunders, we know, will be out for the next month. That is something that came out from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport. So he won't practice this week. He won't be available. The Chiefs will need people to step up in his place. Alex Okafor, a little unknown, but he has shown a pattern here where I'm not going to count on Alex Okafor necessarily playing. I think Tano Passanio has come into his own. I think what you have with Charvarius Ward is a true game-time decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably a good guess. I mean, they, he already had some work done to it when uh, we talked to Andy Reid on a Monday, I guess it was. And uh, so that suggests that it wasn't a super big problem that needed to be corrected. Um, good chance he'll have some kind of a club on his hand. But uh, that isn't always a bad thing if you're a defensive back. I was asked on Twitter last night what I thought about Ward's chances of playing. And 
Luckily, I think when you're trying to analyze this, I, I think Kendall Fuller from a few years back, his injury mm-hmm. was a little bit yeah. similar. And what I noticed in talking to Fuller the following years is that I don't know if he necessarily felt like the Chiefs rushed him back too soon, but he didn't recover from that for a while. So I wonder if the staff is a little bit more cautious this time. Ultimately, I don't think Ward goes in this game. I think the Chiefs are going to have to find a replacement at least for a game or two, and then he will play with the club when it is a little bit more comfortable and when he's not going through pain. I know that sometimes when you break a hand and even if you're trying to play through it, it takes a while before the pain necessarily goes away. And I don't think you want to be playing with pain, especially as a corner back. So I don't think he goes in this game, which will test the Chiefs' depth. We're supposed to speak with Steve Spagnolo and Sam Madison a little bit later on Thursday. So we could get uh, a glimpse into how they're, they're going to recover from this. The Chiefs were able to manage last game uh, without Ward for a lot of it. So I, I have confidence with the way that the offense looks, scoring all those touchdowns and some of the signs that the defense showed in game one where you could manage without Ward for at least a game. The thing I liked most about the injury report was that there were no surprises. You know, all the names on it were names that we knew were Chiefs players that were having difficulty. So that's good that we didn't get something new to worry about or that hadn't uncovered itself immediately after the game. So I liked that part of it for sure. Yeah, there was one thing that I was looking at, and that was the knee of of Austin Ryder. I was wondering if he was going to be limited because that was a little bit of a surprise with Andy Reid on Monday. And Austin Ryder had a full practice, which... I think was was a good sign. So keep that in mind. Uh, Traverius Ward, by the way, in the game, he played 31 snaps. Rashad Fenton ended up having uh, 32. Lejarius Sneed checked in at 55, and Antonio Hamilton checked in at 38. One of the questions I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask either Sam Madison or Spagnolo, I think, today is, do they foresee Bo Pete Keys, the rookie, getting in without some kind of injury? Is is this a guy that they see contributing on defense by the end of the year? I don't really think he is ready, but he might be active uh, as they try to replace what Ward brings to the table if Ward can't go in this game. Uh, but where is Keys at? I think that'll be, not to make this a pun, but I think that'll be a key for the defense as they have some injuries. <laughs> Yeah, the Chiefs also uh, protected defensive tackle Braxton Hoyt on the practice squad on Tuesday. So um, there's a decent chance that they will activate him to the game day roster on Sunday uh, to help make up for the loss of Colin Saunders. So we'll see how that goes. First time the Chiefs have protected a player on their practice squad this season, which they're allowed to do. Knock on all the wood here. I think right now with the way that the offense looked, they can manage with these injuries. This is not necessarily, I think, injuries to key players that you need to win football games. Now, that's a very thin line. I mean, you can't have too many of these, and then all of a sudden you get into dicey situations. But right now, I think they they will be able to manage against the Los Angeles Chargers. Worth noting on the other side, Mike Pouncey, he did not practice for the Chargers. Joey Bosa missed practice on Wednesday with a triceps injury. That's a really, really key injury for the Chargers. Yeah, I don't think it's serious or you would have been hearing more reports. It remains to be seen whether or not he practices on Thursday. It's Patrick Mahomes' birthday. 
I, I can't believe it. The, the young man has turned 25 so far in his, in his life. He has led college football in passing yards. He's been a top 10 draft pick. He has two Pro Bowls. He's been named an NFL MVP. He's had a 50 touchdown season. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been named the Super Bowl MVP. He is a part owner of the Royals, signed a half a billion dollar contract, and got engaged this offseason. So not a bad little life so far for the 25-year-old, John. <laughs> not at all. I wondered how long that was going to go on. You could really carry out that list for a very long time. Oh, I cut it down. You you have to cut <laughs> cut some things down with this guy. Do we do we have to talk about the Ferrari that was being showed off at Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium uh, this past offseason? Yeah, so incredible life for Mahomes. I, I think in a country in America where we regard NFL players among the highest, I think, influencers and of, of the standard, just the amount he's been able to accomplish as a football player and really a man has been amazing to see. We'll see what he does the next 25 years, most of which he'll be playing, we think, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that's really exciting. The best part of him being able to accomplish all of this as a young man, as a 25-year-old, is the fact that he remains the same in press conferences mm -hmm. and yeah. everyone around him says he truly does just want to be one of the guys where I think you, you take the vast majority of people that are 25 and have this success. And I just don't know if they're reacting the same. I don't know if I would be responding the same. I don't know if you would, John, Not nothing against you. I didn't know you when you were 25 year old uh, a while ago. <laughs> Which is really a good thing, actually. But <laughs> it's remarkable. It's remarkable that I think he carries himself the way he does turning 25 today with all the success that he's had. Yeah. And you know, something that pretty much escaped everybody's notice. I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me, but um, as the Chiefs uh, played the Texans on Thursday, there was a, a thing that the Patrick Mahomes Foundation, 15 in the Mahomes, had uh, done some outreach in Houston. Now, name another player in the right. NFL. They all have their foundations that do good work which is a great thing that NFL players do. Patrick Mahomes is no different than other players in that way. But how many of those foundations do outreach in the teams, in the cities of the opposing teams each week? I thought that was a, an extremely cool thing. And in the rush of, you know, game news and stuff, it's something we never got to. But it's been sticking with me ever since then. And uh, it, it's something that I think is quite remarkable about this young man is that he's even off the field thinking of new ways to uh, improve things in the world. Right. I thought it was terrific. Yeah, I, I think the message there is the community is bigger than football. And this was something yeah. I think he, he partnered with Deshaun Watson on, where Watson bought food for hospital workers in Kansas City. Mahomes did so for Houston. And I think by doing something small like that, you can begin to even influence and push messages that are outside of the realm of football. And yeah. Ben Mahomes for, for continuing that. I do want to note Thursday, September 17th, 7.30 p.m. It is 15andthemahomies.org slash birthday. It is this charity drive where Mahomes is going to be donating to 15 charities in Kansas City. And I believe there are some that are based out of the Tyler, Texas area where he is from. 
but he's using his, his birthday now that he has his $500 million contract in place. <laughs> he's using his birthday for good and trying to really drum up donations for all these fantastic organizations. So please check that out. They were kind enough to ask us to partner with them on this celebration. It should be a star-studded event. It is a streaming event, 7.30 p.m. Stars like Paul Rudd and Travis Kelsey will be joining a half-hour birthday celebration for Mahomes again, trying to get some money for some of these great organizations in Kansas City and in Texas. John, from one future Hall of Famer to a Hall of Famer, you had an opportunity to talk to Willie Lanier on the phone yesterday. What did you learn? Well, he's 75 years old, and he's still sharp as a tack. That was something I really appreciated about Lanier. I've talked to him quite a bit over the years, back in my days uh, covering the Chiefs for radio. Um, He was around the press box quite a bit during Chiefs games. That's great. And so he was a guy that you could just walk up to and start a conversation. He was always happy to talk to you. I went on the record with him a number of times talking about what the Chiefs were doing uh, at that particular point. Uh, A really terrific guy, one of my favorite Chiefs ever, actually, on that basis, just because he is so accessible, so smart, such a fine gentleman. And he was all of that uh, when we spoke on Wednesday. Um, And we talked about the work that he's doing now. He's involved in a St. Louis-based nonprofit that's uh, helping reduce recidivism uh, in the black community in St. Louis. It's called the Concordance Academy of Learning. And you can find out more about it at concordanceacademy.org. But, of course, we also talked football and uh, talked about uh, the things that happened when he was playing, talked a little bit about uh, what's going on in the league today. Just just a terrific conversation. There's an article about it on the website. Yeah, check it out, arrowheadpride.com. A fantastic article from Willie Lanier talks a little bit about that Super Bowl team from 50 years ago, which we can't forget now that we have a brand new Super right. Bowl to talk about, right? Yeah, that Super Bowl counts as well. So I, I, I like hearing about that. I like hearing his perspective on on some of the greats that won that Super Bowl, wondering if this would ever happen again with all the mm-hmm. things that happen in between. And so glad that he was able to enjoy that with the rest of us last year. When we come back on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we got three takeaways from the Monday and Wednesday media availability that's next don't go anywhere back here on the arrowhead pride editor show pete sweeney john dixon we had an opportunity to hear from andy reed patrick mahomes sammy watkins and rookie cornerback Lajarius sneed on wednesday and right now we have three takeaways from that media availability i want to start with andy reed and andy is a guy that Sometimes he'll give you a lot. Sometimes he won't give you much. One thing I wanted to know about, because I watched some of that San Diego Chargers, San Diego, I mean Los Angeles Chargers film last week, (laughs) and Joey Bosa just looked like the clear MVP. He looked like one of the better defensive players in the league, and it was someone that I wanted to know from Reed. What are the conversations like between you and, and Andy Heck as you go into a game trying to prevent this outstanding player from really wrecking things for your football team? Yeah, well, listen, we, we respect the heck out of him, and uh, uh, no pun intended. And, and uh, uh, you know, 54 is not bad either. He's been doing it a long time, and he doesn't look like he's slowed down at all. Yeah, they've added some new additions um, with, with some young guys that are in their second year and 99 and so on. And, and uh, their inside technique, he just, Jones just keeps getting better and better every year he has a chance to play. So 
there and then they brought in Lendell who is a big human being in there and and um, hard to move so uh, they're <clears throat> they're fully loaded up front um, they have a great scheme um, and then they've got real good players and so and, and listen Bose's He's one of the best in the National Football League. Pete, you know Anthony Lynn is listening to this. I can't talk about just Joey Bosa. So the other names, by the way, football football coaches, all they think of during the week is numbers uh, because they're watching a ton of films, so they can only highlight the numbers. So 54, by the way, is Melvin Ingram. 99 is Jerry Tillery. And he also mentioned Linval Joseph, the nose tackle, as someone to watch in this game. And I think you appreciate that, that the, the Chiefs are getting ready for this unit. I just... You know, I focus myself on, on number 97, and I know that Mitch Schwartz had a good game against J.J. Watt, which, John, I know you noted for our website. But mm-hmm. Bosa, I think, is a little more, no offense to Watt, who's still great, but I think Bosa's like on the incline where he still has some of that young sure. man explosion, and I think this is an entirely different challenge this week. Yeah, it will be. But, uh, you know, the Chargers are the perennial AFC West favorites, and then they get injuries. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it it remains to be seen whether Bosa will be affected by his presence on the injury report. It's almost to a sickening standpoint. It's one of those things where, like, you don't want to beat the Chargers in this fashion. And in a sense, you do every year. Not to say the Chiefs wouldn't beat a healthy Chargers. But for one season, you would like to see them be be fine. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just never seems to work out that way. And uh, we'll take the dominating uh, fashion with which the Chiefs have handled the Chargers over the last few years, any day of the week. But it would be nice for the Chargers not to have that kind of bad luck. And I don't know, maybe it's just our perception. And the fact that the pundits all like to pick the Chargers to win the division every year and then things go wrong for them. Maybe, Maybe that's kind of colored our view of what actually happens. Maybe they don't get the same... Uh, and we don't, maybe they're not as injured as we think they are, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, um, you know, Derwin James being out, that's a problem for him. So we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. when we get to Los Angeles on Sunday. I agree. I'm looking at the, the chart right now. I mean, the, the chargers just haven't been able to win consistently against the chiefs since 2013. Mm-hmm. 2014, the Chiefs beat the Chargers and sweep them. 2015, the same. 2016, the same. 2017, the same. 2018, you did have the Chargers win that overtime game, or not overtime game. Phillip Rivers went for two at the buzzer, and they were able to get it. That was maddening to watch. And then 2019, it was back to the sweep. So right. one year off of a sweep, but that is a lot of losing to the Chiefs in a row that you hope continues on Sunday, if you're a Chiefs fan, again, 3.25 p.m. Arrowhead time is the start of that game. One of the storylines this week is Patrick Mahomes' style, and we're, we've covered it plenty at arrowheadpride.com. We have Ron Kopp with an article. Kent Swanson dove into the film of Mahomes now that the All-22 is finally out. By the way, Kent and the boys will be back tomorrow for an X's and O's game preview of this game. But Patrick Mahomes talked about his new style and where he's a maturing quarterback, where he takes the check down when it's there. And this was uh, a lot of questions in yesterday's news conference. It was funny. Uh, Chad and Matt both both said it was one of my best games I played because they said I actually took the check downs and didn't just try to force it the down the field when it wasn't there. And so uh, it's something that I've learned – 
uh, from those veteran guys. I've learned from uh, Coach Reed is, I mean, we're, all of us want to go for the big shot. All of us want to go for the touchdown pass every single time. But if, if defenses are going to play us back and they're going to play us in coverage, I'm going to take the stuff underneath and let the guys make plays and, and find ways to score score and find ways just to win football games. It just depends on the feel of the game. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, if you saw us at the end of last year, you saw the defense playing well. We were able to take what was there and win football games. And I feel like it was a very good, great learning experience for me. But uh, uh, my, my nature always wants me to take that shot if I get the chance to. So uh, trying to find that balance of when to go out there and wait, wait to take, when to take the shot and, and, and throw it deep and let these guys make plays and when to just take what's there and move the ball down the field. This is bad for the rest of the NFL. I think the NFL was actually in better shape when he was trying to play backyard football every play because that is is beatable. But if he understands already that you got to be going for the victory, and that's more important than any kind of statistics every single week, whoo, I, I, I think the NFL is in, in, in store for a bad 15 years. Well, of course, Mahomes now has the luxury of not having to play backyard football in order to win which is the paradigm under which he operated at Texas Tech. You know, there were always a lot of points to overcome at Texas Tech, and, and he grew to believe that the best way for him to win games was to go out there and swing for the fences on every play. And now, uh, and that, that was certainly true in 2018 as well with the Chiefs defense as it existed at that time. And now, uh, last season and this season, he's got a defense that can get the other team off the field at least some of the time. And he doesn't have to do that anymore. And he's learning that he doesn't have to. And watch out, NFL. I think you're right. Yeah, what was interesting in that game is that the receivers, which are such a big part of this offense, no one broke over 100 yards. I mean, the story of the game was Clyde, who ran for 5.5 yards per attempt, the 25 carries for 138 and a touchdown. He actually probably could have had another touchdown with all the goal line stops that that mm-hmm. that he yeah. faced. But you look at it, and and the stars for the Chiefs: Tyreek Hill, forty six yards; Travis Kelsey, fifty yards. Actually, Sammy Watkins led the way with eighty two yards. So all three of those guys under a hundred yards. The Chiefs were just taking what it was given to them, and I thought it was nice to see Watkins who. Seems to always be the odd man out when it comes to respect in the Chiefs receiving room. It was nice to see him lead the way. And one thing I thought about when we were talking to these guys yesterday, and I asked Watkins, I said, you know, you almost left this offseason. You had this decision to make. You stayed with Kansas City. How rewarding was it to have the night that you did on Thursday Night Football? Um, very special. Um, not just to come back on a team, but a Super Bowl team, I think. And that a great staff, a great organization, um, a group of guys that I already know and um, I'm kind of open to. And um, literally just to start the week off, not just me scoring touchdowns, but how well we played. Um, I just thought it was going to be a little bit different as far as no fans and stuff like that. And, you know, how everything been going with the COVID. But I think this team, these coaches, um, this organization been handling everything well with keeping us safe. And um, I think that's been the best part of us going out on the field and, you know, making plays and executing how we did. I remember early in his career, Travis Kelsey, he would get upset when he wasn't getting fed the ball in certain mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Uh, Tyree Kill, I think, is 
on this mad tear and he wants to be respected as one of the better receivers in the game. Watkins, this past offseason, we've talked about the Bleacher Report to nauseam, so we know about that article and, and what Watkins desires. But winning cures everything. It, it, it seemed like all these guys, I mean, they were happy-go-lucky after the game. It doesn't matter if they're getting 100 yards as long as the Chiefs are winning. And I, I think that that is a credit to the coaching staff. And again, good on Watkins to have a, a great first game. What was it he said yesterday? If you want me to go out and crack a linebacker, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. Uh, he really seems to have uh, have taken on a real team approach in this season. And I think he has largely since he arrived in Kansas City. But then we have moments when he's in an unguarded moment talking to a writer. He might say, well, I'd like to be a wide receiver one someplace. Well, who wouldn't? You know, if you're Sammy Watkins, you'd want to have that opportunity. But it with this team, he's more than happy to be that guy and just say, you need me to do this? Okay, I'll go do that because he knows it'll win games for the Chiefs. Yeah, and and I'm eager to see, and, and I think this is important for Sammy because Sammy had a big first week last year. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot more yards, to be honest. It, it, it was an insane game. Yeah. <laughs> but after that game, we didn't really see a ton of Watkins. So I think this week in particular is important for him to continue to build on that regular season. This is a, a wide receiver. I don't have the exact career numbers in front of me, but he hasn't had a 1,000-yard season for a long time. Since so, his rookie season. Since his rookie season, I, I yeah. I believe, if, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah. It was either the first or second year, but you're right. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to see some of that continuity not only for the Chiefs' sake, but for his sake. I just think he's that caliber of wide receiver, and I, I think that's something that he has desired for a really long time. And and at the end of the day, I, I think, not to quote our, our friend Eric Bianami, but at the end of the day, I think Watkins means well, and I think he just really wants to, to prove that he's also one of the better receivers in the league, so it would be good to see him uh, able to get 1,000 yards. And that, that happens every week. That doesn't happen in one week. So we'll right. see how Watkins does against the Los Angeles Chargers coming up on Sunday. Again, that game is at 3.25 p.m. We'll have you covered at arrowheadpride.com. Coming up, we have five Chiefs-Chargers questions heading into this game. And, of course, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, last show of the week. Don't forget, the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory will have your game preview tomorrow, focusing a little bit more on the X's and O's. John and I will take the storylines headed into this game right now. We have five questions about the Chiefs and Chargers heading into this game. I will start us up, and then, John, I'll give you an opportunity to ask a question. My first question is, what will we see from the Chiefs offense this week? Because though we talked about Patrick Mahomes and the idea that he is now taking what's in front of him, the Chiefs are still going to be, in some games, flat out better than the defense. And they're still going to be able to throw the ball over the top. And I think we see more of that in this game with the Chiefs attacking, throwing the ball downfield, more than two passes for 20 yards like we saw in the last game. I think the receivers are going to have big numbers in this game. Yeah, that could happen. Um, but you have to wonder if the Chargers will uh, take a lesson from what they saw against the Texans and say, yeah, let's go ahead and play our safeties deep. Let's take the chance that we can stop uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire at the line of scrimmage and limit the Chiefs in that way. Now, I personally don't think that'll work, but I could see them making the decision to do that based on what they saw uh, in the Chiefs-Texans game on Thursday. 
it'll depend a lot on how the Chargers uh, intend to scheme against the Chiefs, which if, you know, we don't know. It could be a lot of different things. Yeah, I, I think you could take a lesson from the Texans, no doubt. But like, I don't know. I just find I, I come away from that game. It was 34-20. And, and I think in a sense you say, well, you know, they were able to sort of stay with them because of the touchdowns at the end. But it had, mm-hmm. had the Chiefs defense not gotten a little bit basic toward the end there. I mean, you're looking at a 34-6 game. Like, did that formula yeah. really necessarily work? I think the way to, to beat the Chiefs is if you can disrupt Patrick Mahomes and then you got to stay with him in in a shootout. And I just I wonder if this other quarterback could could do that. We'll get to that question in, in, in a few right here. But, uh, John, what is your question heading into this game? Number two. Uh, I wonder about how difficult it'll be for the Chargers to correct for the loss of Derwin James. I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier just here on the show today. But they've always got injuries to contend with, and losing James uh, before the season begins is a killer. I mean, he's one of their top players on the back end of the secondary. And, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? It'd be like the Chiefs losing Tyron Matthew uh, before even the first snap of the season. That's got to be really tough for them, and I, and I wonder how they'll approach that. This is something that's, that's horrible to see. I, I, I know that there's this division rivalry, but Derwin James is just a fun player to watch. And this is mm-hmm. the second season now that he's, he's dealing with injuries and heading into the season, Daniel Der- Jeremiah, I noted this of, of NFL.com. He, he was saying that uh, you know, if, a, if a GM in the league was building around a safety as far as being young and just having the skill set, and a lot of Chiefs fans would say, of course it's Tyrant. But a lot of GMs, what Daniel Jeremiah said was they would take Derwin James. And this is just not what you want to see on any team as far as a young player not being able to get sure. on the field. Horrible to, to, to have to see that. Uh, the Chargers were actually okay. I mean, I, they were up against a rookie a quarterback last game, but they held Joe Burrow to 23 of 36 for 193 yards. I really, really like... Uh, what Green brings to the table now that he's back. He was only able to get 51 yards. Uh, Tyler Boyd, who's another good receiver for the Bengals, they were only able to get uh, 33 yards. Of course, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line isn't the Chiefs' offensive line, so I think it goes more into the secondary, but this Chiefs' offense is just a bit different than what I think the, even the Bengals bring to the table with some of those talented receivers. They're just relentless, where anyone can hurt you for yardage. The quarterback now, the running back now. We talked about the three receivers. McCole Hardman didn't even really have a role in last game. You need every single member of your talented secondary when you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, going to the snap counts, looks like Rashad Jenkins for the Chargers. He played 100% of defensive snaps. That just isn't Derwin James. And I know there's different ways to mask it. A number of cornerbacks had a lot of snaps for the Chargers. But I just, I fear what the Chiefs skill position players are going to do to this secondary without James, as you mentioned. Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be fascinating to watch. I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing to watch. Uh, and, and we do seem to watch it every year with the Chargers. I'm, whether that's fair or not, that's what we perceive. Um, so we'll see. My next question for this game, number three, how will the Chiefs manage against Joey Bosa? This was a, a point I hit on earlier when I, I played the Andy Reid sound. I just think if there's one player that could maybe keep the Chargers 
in the game. It's Joey Bosa having one of these, as you've seen on the film, Aaron Donald type of efforts where the Chiefs just can't stop him. And it's messing up their game plan. I tend to think the Chiefs will have plan B and plan C and plan D. And so maybe he impacts the game in the first quarter and then all of a sudden the Chiefs figure it out and then are able to double him or Mitch Schwartz is able to get crafty and manage Bosa. But that to me is the one little wrinkle, right? I 100% think the Chiefs are going to win. I'm probably at 99.9. The point one is Joey Bosa. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you always have to pay attention to the teams, the other team's most uh, dominant disruptive player, and I think Joey Bosa is certainly that. But on the plus side, um, you know, it's hard to bet against Mitchell Schwartz up against him. And uh, Schwartz is that video we posted on airhoodpride.com this week showed He's a crafty guy <laughs> who can who can beat you with smart, unexpected moves, even if he can't beat you with his ath- athleticism at the age he now possesses. So, um, you know, if you're going to put Bosa up against anybody, put him up against Schwartz, you know? So that'll help. That'll it, help uh, it, the Chiefs manage that. If you haven't had an opportunity to see the video, it was Rich Baldinger of NFL.com. He he noted this because he had early access to the L22, which is nice, nice for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead of trying to go up against J.J. Watt one-on-one, which Schwartz realizes he might be you know, the weak guy in, in that yeah. matchup, what he does is he sees Watt gunning for him, a little bit of a bull rush. Schwartz shows his hands, then brings him down. So when Schwartz showed his hands, Watt lunges, Schwartz brings his hand down, and almost, as as Baldinger described, like a matador in a bull, runs Watt around the cornerback. So... Really crafty. I don't think that's a move you could do every time because then your tape is now showing that that could be something you could sure. do. And then you have a guy like Bosa running you over. But at the same time, wow, uh, good on Schwartz. And, and I, I love these guys who are able to highlight those things, our nerd squad included, and at NFL.com and that level of, of coverage as well that are able to show these little things because that to me, that screams film work. And that's why Schwartz is one of the better right tackles uh, in the NFL. Well, and that's why the nerd squad guys are always talking about leverage right? and, uh, and you know, center of gravity. And th- that's the reason they talk about these things. It's because those are the things that allow you to win a one-on-one matchup. And what Sh- Schwartz showed in that particular clip that Baldinger put out there uh, is that uh, he knows how to get the advantage in that kind of a situation, not from physical power, but from being smart. And that's what you get when you become an, a veteran for as long as Schwartz has been playing. All right, John, fourth question. Tyrod Taylor. I don't know, man. The only thing that's really kept the Chargers in any of these games um, that they've played against the Chiefs has been Phillip Rivers. Um, what is it that every uh, announcer will say when Rivers starts coming back in the end of the game? They'll say, well, Philip Rivers will always find a way to beat you. And we saw this, you know, he was always a dangerous guy late in the game that, you know, he could throw three interceptions for the first three quarters and then kill you in the fourth quarter. And he pulled it off um, in 2018 in that second game against the Chiefs with the, the play you referenced earlier, the two-point conversion that, that gave them the, an unexpected terrible win against the Chiefs, you had to pay attention to that guy all the time. I don't see Tyrod Taylor 
in that light. I think that he's going to be a, a major downgrade. And 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 no disrespect to Taylor, he's a he's a good quarterback. Uh, Andy Reid made a point of saying so the other day, and I don't disagree with him. But he's not Philip Rivers. Um, he may actually throw fewer interceptions, be more effective as a passer. But will he be a guy? that you have to be worried about late in the game when you're trying to close it out. And I just don't see that. Yeah. What's interesting is he's had a couple games against Kansas city for a couple different teams. I'm looking at it right now. One with the Ravens, two with the bills, one with the Browns. He had, he did have some success in 2017 with the Buffalo bills where they were able to beat the chiefs, uh, 16, 10. But I, I think you're right. I, I think Taylor is, is a journeyman for a reason. He was going through the same situation in Cleveland when they brought him in to be the starter and then was quickly replaced by uh, Baker Mayfield. I wonder how long his leash will be this season, especially if it Mm -hmm. gets out of control for the L.A. Chargers. But I, I just think in all NFL games, and this is across the board, the first thing you have to look at is quarterback matchup. And no matter who the other players are in the field, name 20 different random players. At the end of the day, this is still Patrick Mahomes versus Tyrod Taylor. And how many times out of 100, no matter who the rest of the players are on the field, is Tyrod Taylor beating Patrick? Two? Uh, yeah, three? Really. Yeah. One? And so that's a key question for you because we could assess everything in this game the chances of this happening where Taylor beats Mahomes, which is so small, which is why I think you'd see the more than one point spread and and why I happen to think that it should be more. Eight and a half feels way too low. My final question into this game is, what if Charvarius Ward is a game-time decision and he can't go? And we already touched upon some of that. I, I just wonder about the depth for these Chiefs. I wonder how they fill that void. I know that Hamilton, Rashad Fenton uh, were able to do it last game and and... I, I think the Chiefs also can rely on, on some of their safety help. I worry, or I wonder, I should say, about Bo P. Keys, which is something uh, I'm just curious about, just how far away is he? Um, I think another sub-question in this game is, is, do you see Willie Gay? You know, is he someone that you see maybe more of on defense? Because if you highlight a weak point of the defense last game, it was certainly the second level. But yeah, it, what if Traverius Ward is a game-time decision? And I, I think there's a second level to that, too. If it's a situation where Ward can be harmed a little bit more by inserting him into the game, I understand the Chiefs are saying that he had work done, also known as surgery. I don't think this is a game where you need Ward. I just don't. I think you could win without him. I know that sometimes is dangerous to say a little bit if, if he is saying he could go. But I just don't think you need him to beat the L.A. Chargers, this version of the Chargers. Yeah, probably not. Um, You always want to put your best foot forward, but sometimes you have to think about putting your best foot forward next week. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs are going to go on the road and play the Ravens. Um, That's week three, right? I haven't lost track of that. So, um, so yeah, you'd have to wonder if the Chiefs would let him sit down for this week. And um, we'll see how that goes. You know, maybe they'll bring up a practice squad player to give him a little extra depth. That's the whole point of that thing, uh, this new rule that the NFL has, that they uh, have a little more flexibility with that kind of thing. So we'll see how they choose to handle it. Um, I could see him keeping him in there, but I could also sure see him uh, 
sitting out for one more game. Yeah, you have Levert Hill sitting there on the practice squad. I know this is someone that Kent has regarded as a a lottery ticket, so we'll see if he's in the mix. I would just... I would side on on the side of caution. You know, that yeah. that's how I would go about it. I, I just think it's a long season and to beat better teams, you're going to need Charverius Ward's services. All right, let's finish up the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show with the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. And that is, of course, the Chiefs talking about Andy Reid's mask. <laughs> I saw it, but uh, I didn't even notice it until after the game. I mean, you, you see it, but you're so into the game, you're not really focused on it. Um, but uh, I had already said something. We had a practice in the rain. I said he needed the, the windshield wiper, and uh, he, he laughed about it, but it actually could have came into play the other day. We kind of used him, used him wearing the face shield, but to see it smoked up and stuff like that was definitely fun. I seen a clip on Twitter with his head down, I think, and the, the looking, looking down, and it's all smoked up. I'm like, how is he even seeing anything? Dude, why, why we have nobody wipe it off on him? You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I, my mask wasn't all that successful, but I, um, I, I think I've got it under control. So I'll, I'll keep that on. Then the coaches, you know, we'll just there's, it's been made. The point of emphasis has been made, and we'll just make sure uh, not that it wasn't before, but just gotta make sure we keep those covered. John, we talked about Andy Reid's routine on this show. I I think this falls into the category of of changing up the routine for for this Sunday. I think you see <laughs> some kind of face mask instead of the shield protector in this one. Well, maybe. Um, you know, he's been wearing it throughout training camp, and he hasn't uh, ever wanted to take it off and then came into the first game of the regular season wearing it. It was just in the evening in somewhat different weather conditions than he's been using it in practice. So it, uh, it, it acted up on him because he was in unfamiliar circumstances with it. As I said on Tuesday, I think there are ways to make it work. Uh, I guess it just depends on whether Andy Reid is – really comfortable wearing a traditional cloth mask um, and he might not be. So I think it, I don't, I'm not convinced that it'll be different. I think it might be the same, but with, but with um, some modifications so that he doesn't get it fogged over. Something, There's all kinds of things you can do. Something about the way Sammy describes it. I seen a clip on Twitter with his head down, I think in the, the looking, looking down and it's all smoked. Over. How is he even seeing anything? <laughs> Dude, why, why we have nobody wipe it off? Man? You know what I mean? <laughs> that to me is the funniest part where Sammy's like, well, how did we not have someone wipe this off? <laughs> Begging. One of the lighter moments of, of a Thursday night football win for the Chiefs. They try to make it two in a row on Sunday. Uh, so that is our Thursday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If you guys are wondering about the schedule, the way we're going to be doing it, now that we're back into Sunday games, is our nerd squad's going to take it on Friday, preview the game. They'll also have the post game. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. They're also going to do a Wednesday show. We'll do a Thursday show and then Friday for the nerd squad and so on and so forth. So a lot of content coming at you on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to rate and review. Tell your friends all the things that you could do to help promote this show for us for free. We, we would appreciate that. <laughs> He's John Dixon. You can find him at Arrowhead Phones. I'm at PG Sween. Of course, follow at Arrowhead Pride on Twitter. Keep it locked in at ArrowheadPride.com for all your Chiefs news and notes. We thank you for joining us on today's Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Enjoy the game.